Hello and welcome. You're listening to Then Again, What Do We Know? A podcast that's all about exploring the human experience from an unofficial point of view. Your hosts are Mer Monson and Brianne Griebel, that's me, and we hope you'll sit back, relax, and just ponder what we're talking about. As we explore new ways of looking at life, we're hoping that you will do the same. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And we're back with another episode of Then Again, What Do We Know? I'm Brianne Griebel, and with me as always is my partner in podcast, Mer Monson. Hi, Mer. Hello. <laughs> uh, we um, just had probably the longest conversation we've had before hitting record about what do we want to talk about today? Um, and we were talking about how, uh, you know, if you've listened to any previous episodes, you know, we, we tend to go deep, <laughs> like just a little. Yeah, we um, kind of get out there. Yeah, we go, we go way out there. We, we go, we go at the deep end and just start swimming and see where we end up. Um, but we were curious if we could maybe at least start at a place that might be, I don't know if relatable is quite the right word I'm looking for, but a place where somebody may find themselves and, and feeling like they're maybe struggling or, um, or just something that seems more easy to connect with right out the gate. And, um, we kind of tossed some ideas around and, and Mer said, what about loneliness? And as soon as she said it, I was like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. talk about loneliness. It's uh, a juicy one, isn't it? That's real juicy and something I think so many people can relate to. Um, you know, I don't know of anybody who probably hasn't experienced some version of loneliness, um, whether, you know, just a phase or they just kind of feel like they're constantly in that place. Um, and I think it's a really juicy place to, to dive in. So that's what we're mm-hmm. going to talk about. Um, you want to kick us off, Mer? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> what, sure. Like, what, what made you come up? What, what, made you, what made you say loneliness? Yeah. What made me say that? I think the heart of it. It's just how different it looks to me now um, than it used to, even though I still experience it like I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think the clearest way for me to define the shift is it used to look like the ground was me alone. And if I wanted to get to a ground or a place of connection, or belonging or relationship or love, then I had to do something to create it, to get there, to get it, to feel it, to have it. And it's just fascinating to me that as I sit here now and look at it, it looks exactly opposite to me. It looks, and I have this sense that I, a much deeper and clearer sense that I'm already always connected and plugged in to life, to everything else that's living, including all the other humans on the planet. And sometimes... Yeah, sorry. No, I'll stop. Yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was like, well, well I was just kidding. No, let me just, let me just finish. <laughs> <laughs> just a second. <laughs> I want to die. And, <laughs> and then from that, from that seeing, from that knowing, I can see that sometimes I get lost in the feeling of being alone. Um, you could say that's, that's um, a lot of thinking in my own head, a lot of misperception that I am separate from all of that and that I have to do something to get back. That it's almost um, that there's, you know, we've talked about the weather metaphor, you know, that, that weather comes through and I don't see clearly once in a while. But, and I, I, can't, I can't describe how the flip happened other than to say that it did. Mm-hmm. And, and it literally look, looks different to me now that the default, our baseline, the ground that we're always on looks like connection and belonging and oneness, not it's me and I got to go make all the good stuff happen. So would you say that it, it, looks, it looked like, lo- like what we're calling loneliness? Um, you, you felt what we call loneliness and experienced it and it looked like a problem that you needed to solve. And now it, it's not that you don't experience those same kinds of feelings or experiences. It's just that they don't seem like they're a problem. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah. That's another way of describing that, that it's, that it isn't, it isn't a problem. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I get sad. I cry. I think for a little while that, yeah, I really do need to do something about this. And yet I can see from a larger space that, that I don't, that it's temporary, that it's not solid, that it's not something I have to grapple with or deal with or shift or change on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I just I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, as I was kind of saying that, like, like, cause I said like what we're calling loneliness, what do you think loneliness even is? Like, I think most people who know English would say, if you to say the word loneliness, they know what you're talking about. But I think sometimes it helps to kind of just really look at something like, instead of just you know, knowing a, a definition of a word, like really, what is that? What is that thing that we call loneliness? Not the word, but what is it? What's it made out of? What? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe it would <laughs> help to explore some of the things that it isn't. <laughs> like one of the things that strike me strikes me is that it, it isn't being alone. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think most people know that feeling of feeling alone in a crowd. <laughs> so it doesn't, yeah. And also the feeling of, yeah. yeah. And also the feeling of being by myself, but being full of peace and contentment. So you, you can't, you can't identify loneliness by a circumstance in that way, but it does have a, a quality to it, a, a feeling to it of, to use your word before we pushed record, disconnection. Yeah. It really looks to me like this is a, a <laughs> 99.9% of what I say in these conversations is metaphorical, um, <laughs> not literal, but it's, it kind of looks like to me there are almost like 
we 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 categorize life into like two main categories of like pleasant feelings and unpleasant feelings. <laughs> and then, you know, there's a whole r- array of what falls into those categories and there's some gray area. And if you could say like, another way of saying it is like, you know, full of life and seemingly not full of life. And I think when we're in some of those unpleasant, seemingly not full of life places, I think that's where we would, one of the things we could throw in there is the word loneliness or disconnect. Um, and it, and it, I feel like it kind of comes back to some of the stuff we talked about in our episode about emotions of like, it's what we call loneliness to me is just another feeling of the life moving through you. Like, it's not that you're lacking life. It's just life doesn't feel the way you think it should be feeling. It's not that you're actually disconnected. It's that you just have a, an idea of what connected should look like and feel like, and life isn't meeting that. And so you, you think that something is wrong and we call it, I'm disconnected or I'm feeling lonely or alone. And then we throw in this label of like, well, then, then that's a problem, right? I can't remember the last time I actually felt loneliness. I know I have. And, and I, I bet you if there, we had some way of recording or measuring feelings, <laughs> like map it out on paper and say, this one is definitely loneliness. I've probably felt things that I felt before that I would have called loneliness. Um, I can't, I I can't remember the last time I've, I've looked at it or experienced it enough and thought it was a problem to, to, to call it loneliness. I've been alone plenty, especially in the last several months. Um, I would spend, I say, I say I spend 75% of my time in a small room by myself. Um, <laughs> but, and I, and I have all kinds of thoughts and feelings about it, but I don't, I don't think any of those are problems. I, I, I to, in my mind, f- actually experience something that we're calling loneliness to feel like you're actually alone. You would have to it's when you see yourself as this isolated being contained inside of a body cut off from everything around you. And so like, there's like some sort of barrier between you and everything else in existence and you're looking at, and and that's what it feels like. But I think the more you can kind of play with the idea of who and what you are there, that barrier gets, it, it gets fuzzier and fuzzier. It's like you like it makes no sense to me anymore to think like I am separate from, you know, the energy of life, right? Whatever animates me. Like I'm connected to a million different things whether I think that's people or not. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry I'm laughing cuz that was really cool, but this I just had this thought like you can't be disconnected from what's growing your hair and your fingernails and you know, pumping your heart and 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 breathing your lungs like <laughs> and it and it speaks to what you said about that really struck me is you said you know you ex- I experience it but I know it's that I'm not I'm never actually disconnected it seems absurd to me now and and even when I like you were saying, you know, the weather comes in, it gets cloudy and fuzzy and you you can't see clearly. Even in those moments, I can hate it. And I definitely do. 
but no part of me thinks it's a problem. And that's a big switch. It's huge. That's very, that's very different. Like I have, a, you know, the part of me that, you know, decides what I'm going to have for dinner tonight and, and is satisfied or dissatisfied with my meal. Like that part of me, that human ego part, the intellect part or whatever, that part definitely has opinions about any particular state I'm in. Um, but I've, at least currently, again, as I always say, you know, who knows how, what it's going to look like in five minutes or five days or whatever. It's been a long time since I've thought it was a problem. I have hated it. <laughs> I have hated how I'm feeling in any given moment in, what I, in the things we might call loneliness. But it's really interesting to go like, well, here I am. <laughs> so like, to, like, dig a little deeper there. Like, how can you, how can you hate something and not see it as a problem? Not, not be driven to fix it or change it. That's fascinating to me. It, it is to me too, because um, it, it's very different from how I've, I've, I've been most of my life. And the thing that comes up to me in this particular moment on how to explain that is, um, and I can't remember, we touched upon this on another episode, but um, I think it was the episode about death, where I've just actually come to realize that what I know and what I think and the opinions I have versus everything that there is to know is basically 0%. <laughs> like as a percentage, how much I know versus how much there is to know is 0% because there's infinite things to see. Um, once I kind of realized that, I just realized that no matter what I think and feel, it's probably not right. <laughs> like it's or, or personal personal it's, it's probably <laughs> like it's it, it, it it's like I, i've learned not to take my own head seriously is what it honestly comes down to so if my head's saying this pardon my language this fucking sucks which it says a lot um particularly in this phase of my life you know on the journey with my mom and her illness um but it's like, yeah, well, that's just some stuff my, my head says. And I, and I let my head say it. Like, it gets to say that. It gets, you know, the part of me that is worried about how I'm doing and how life is going and the part of me that even worries about how I'm feeling, that is just this weird human part that has preferences and opinions that, that you know, sometimes life meets those preferences and opinions and expectations and sometimes it doesn't. But it's just a... It's just a I weird hear, voice in my head that doesn't mean what it I'm used to. I'm hearing you say it's it's like a sideshow. It doesn't have center stage anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I one of my all time favorite moments of spending a year with Michael Neal, my mentor, um, was we were having a conversation one day, and I had spent literally ten minutes describing a litany of things that were wrong with me, with what was happening, with life, you know, and he just, he stopped me midstream. He's like, would you like to know what's wrong with you? <laughs> I said, yes, please. And he said, you just still think your opinions are relevant. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, it's that it's, and I, I, I definitely have a taste of what you're speaking about. It's just such an amazing shift to experience that, to see your own you know, litany of thinking and stream of thinking for what it is 
and what it isn't. You know, he would often call it, you know, it's, it's, it's that moment you realize it's a drama, not a documentary, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, and it, it, it's, yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say. That's why that's how you can experience something that feels rotten and know that beneath it, <laughs> life still got you. What's running the show still got you. There's nothing actually at stake. Yeah. You know, and we're never up against anything other than a feeling. A voice in our head. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it, and I think, you know, on the way to whatever it is I'm seeing about this now, you know, you know, how I'm holding it right now on the way to this, I was seeing pieces of that, of like, I could see in some moments, um, like, Oh, that's just, you know, my head doing, you know, head's just going off. My head's just saying stuff. I could see like, Oh, I don't need to pay attention to that. But I still thought that there were some thoughts that went through my head that I really needed to pay attention to. Like they were important and then somewhere along the way, I realized like, oh, literally everything that goes through my head is a version of bullshit. <laughs> everything. Yeah. Everything that goes through my head is illusory in nature, is, is not made up of anything tangible, is not a signal of importance. Um, and that's not to say I don't treat them that way in times, right? But it's usually in the moments where I'm feeling really wonky that I can definitely just go, oh yeah, <laughs> my head is going to do this. It's going to say all this stuff. I'm kind of sort of paying attention to it, but it's the benefit of the doubt of like, ah, it kind of comes back to that. Like, yeah, but the odds of this being correct, whatever thought or opinion is going through my head, the odds of this being correct is still 0%. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> I'm hearing it. It's, I'm feeling it. But the odds of it being like, quote unquote, right. And even to say like a thought is right or a feeling is right doesn't even make sense to me anymore. Or that it's wrong, right? It's just like, not this is just what's happening in this particular moment. And we can call it loneliness. But the very fact that you feel anything in my mind shows you're connected to something. Like that is evidence. If you can feel anything, you're connected to something. Because if you weren't connected to anything, there would be absolutely nothing. You would be in a void with no thoughts, no experiences, no feelings whatsoever. Hmm, that's kind of a cool thought. Isn't that interesting? Like, to feel, you have to be connected to something. Yeah. I don't have the words for what that thing is. Which, which really, <laughs> which really, no. Let's not even try. It's, but it really, it really highlights that an experience of loneliness is just that it's an experience. It has nothing to do with what's actually happening. Unless you believe the voice in your head. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, like that voice is really, really convincing. It'll tell you like you feel this thing and then you say, well, oh, it's loneliness. And that's um, because or, dot, dot, and dot. It, yeah, it's because dot, dot, dot. Here's all the evidence I have to feel this way, dot, dot, dot. And here's why it's wrong, dot, dot, dot. Like, and it can, it is the, like that voice in our head is the most convincing thing in, in existence. 
but and, when, then, and then we it's kind of like once you um I remember seeing um, this movie. I think it was in the 80s. It, it scared me to death. It was called Critters. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. If it was about bugs, then there's no way I would have seen it. It's about, and It's been a long time since I've seen it now, so I don't remember the plot. I just remember there were these little monsters. I don't know if they were aliens, but they were these kind of like big, giant, furry balls. Uh, like this just ball of fur, but just like nasty, like teeth, like the face. Like It, it was disturbing, especially when you were a kid when I saw it. Um, and it freaked me out and I had to have nightmares about those things. And it's like, who let me watch this show? <laughs> I probably watched it on my own. My parents weren't looking. Um, but there, there were these terrifying things. And then I remember watching some show that was like a behind the scenes and it showed you how they were made. And it showed like all the stages of the puppetry and the things like, you know, at first it was just, this, I, I don't remember the details, but like, a, you know, a, a ball of styrofoam or something. And then they carved out the face and then they added paint and then they added this thing that gave it sheen, which made it look slimy. And then they, and it's like, ever since I saw that, like, I still think the things look gross, but they don't terrify me. Right. They terrify me. Because you know what they're made of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even as a kid, of course I know it's not real. I know it's a movie, but they were still terrifying. But it was something about seeing like, like really saying, oh, that's not real. That allowed me to have still opinions. Again, I don't like those creatures. They're creepy, but I'm, you know, I'm not terrified of them. <laughs> so it's kind of like, and that's there, what I the really, in my head. Yeah. There's a really cool shift when you move from, I mean, when you first hear something like this, I mean, it, it makes total sense for you when you're in it to be like, oh, well, it's just my thinking and it's not true and it's not real and I just need to tell myself that and, you know, I need to make an affirmation about it. You know, there's this this efforting to see it or to get there. But when your eyes are actually opened to see that it isn't real, even, even a, just a real honest moment of a glimpse, then your, your experience shifts effortlessly because you see it just like when you when you saw that they were made of styrofoam balls or whatever mm-hmm. then your experience of it was just automatically different yeah and, and, it, and it's kind of like you know in the inside that metaphor it's like when I was a kid I still knew they weren't real like I was aware there weren't actually these creepy little critters on the planet earth but telling myself that they're they're not real didn't help <laughs> like yeah, myself, that's what I'm saying. Really cool. yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. It's so like what, what what can you do? What mm. can someone do if they're in it and it does look real? And there is a story around it that looks solid and true. Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> It's really annoying that the harder you try, the further away you get from it. (laughs) Oh, but man, isn't that true? Yeah, it's so true. It is so true. The harder you try. And I remember hearing similar things like this through various people that I would follow, um, books that I would read, um, and intellectually understanding it. 
like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would even hear people say a version of like, and you can't actually make yourself do this. You, there's a version of like, if you're trying to do it, you're not going to be able to do it. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So then I would try to not try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guilty. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it, it comes back to a version of something I heard somebody say. I, I've probably heard of, of multiple people say. it's There's something about hearing something that's true. And when I say hear, I don't even necessarily mean hear it from somebody else. That might be it. Listening to us talk, reading something that just hits you in the face. Um, or just quieting yourself. And I, again, I, I don't think you can make yourself do that. But in quiet moments, I suppose. there are Because life is built on truths that don't disappear, we just lose sight of them. It's like listening for truth or hearing truth or stumbling upon truth and letting it, you know, do its thing. Cause it really is. It's like an antibiotic. It's like a disinfectant. It's like, um, you know, it burns away the fog. It cleans house. Doesn't yeah. It? But you don't control truth. So you don't get to conjure it up. You don't get to manipulate it. You don't get to use it even. It's just you listen for things that sound true. And then I don't know, like, I don't even know if this is actually a truth, but what seems to be for me is I would hear this stuff and then I'd just marinate on it. You know, I'd kick it around. I would use my intellect, the thing that I'm saying not to pay attention to. Um, And I would let it play (laughs) around with it until it had nothing to say. (laughs) My intellect, if it's really truth, you will get to a point where your intellect has nothing else to say about it. You know, your intellect will be like, I I can't work with that. (laughs) (laughs) I think of it as like letting it simmer in the background. Yeah. A little bit. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed, listeners, that we don't give you things to do. I mean, I I kind of begged Brianne by asking her that question. Yeah, I mean, I think, other than to look or to wonder or to consider or yeah, to play with. Yeah. But I there's mean, no prescription of do this for this problem. Yeah. It's like, and, how do and, you help somebody find the ground they're standing on? Like you can't. And, but that, but that is essentially, yeah, that's essentially our, our invitation is that there's something infinitely better than a prescription to make you feel better. And, and it is, it is truth. It's waking up to the ground you're standing on, the chair you're sitting in. Yeah, I mean, it's And what's sounds, already always got you, yeah. It sounds, uh, I'm hearing myself say this and imagining myself being in a different state of mind and thinking about how incredibly annoying <laughs> it might sound, but it's like, I can't blame anybody for looking for a cure for loneliness. Um, you know, trying to think they have to do something to make themselves feel less lonely. Um, but I mean, the ultimate shortcut is kind of recognizing loneliness doesn't exist. Loneliness isn't a thing in the way we think it's a thing. Like, it's impossible to be lonely because that means you're alone. <laughs> like, you are a lone entity in a giant universe. 
And that's, it's just not true. It feels like I get it, but it's, it's just not true that you are a lone, a singular entity divided by whatever lines you think you are, like your body or your whatever. That is just not true. You are the infinite existence. <laughs> like that's a huge stretch. I, I, I realize if you kind of don't know what I'm talking about. But even like those baby steps of like, okay, well, you can't be disconnected from it. Like there's something beating your heart. There's something growing your hair. There's something moving your lungs in and out. Like if you think you're your body, look at that. That's interesting. Okay, well, at least your body isn't on its own. But, but the, 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 the cure for loneliness is to realize it's something we just made up, that our intellect, which thinks it's a separate entity, it's an idea that it created to put to a feeling, to explain a feeling that is also kind of irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, and if, if, I'm, if I'm swimming way over my head at this point, I would also say that, you know, if you backed the truck up, it can be really helpful to notice that, that it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I were to give somebody something helpful. Yeah, and I mean, and as you said, it doesn't mean that you just need to sit there and take it. <laughs> I mean, you'll never hear that come out of my mouth because okay. you may be moved to do something. And that's cool too, but to just see it clean for what it is and that it isn't a thing, as you so beautifully described, is so, that I mean, that's the medicine. And it allows us to be free in it or out of it. It allows us to be okay when we're, when we're buried and when we can see clearly. And, and which brings us right back to where you started, that it, it act, you can see that it actually doesn't matter which weather's in your sky, that you're still always already a part of, connected with, an extension of, of all of life. You know, so you we say, just get less afraid when we feel that. Yeah. There's something you just said in there when you said it doesn't matter. Um, and I don't think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but there was something um, that was, it's kind of a, a second or third hand story. Um, but uh, um, a colleague was sharing a story about um, talking about all this deep stuff that we talk about in these conversations and was trying to help her client see something. And her client, um, English was her client's second language. And her client kind of had this light bulb moment and she's like, I finally understand the English phrase. It doesn't matter. She's like, thoughts and feelings aren't made of matter. There's, there's nothing there. They, they don't matter. They are not made of matter. (laughs) I'm not necessarily saying that's what the English phrase means, but it was like, she just kind of saw like, Oh, like something about that phrase of words helped her see like, Oh, there isn't something there in the way I think there's something there. That's so cool. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that when I hear that phrase. Right? It's not, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not matter. Right. There's it's not, not something there's, solid. 
it's not solid. It's not containable or tangible or like, and because it's not solid, it's not something you can grab onto and move out of the way. It's not something you can hang onto and keep with you. Like it's kind of goes back to, I feel like I'm always saying like, it's the feeling of the energy of life moving through you. Yeah. And you don't you know, control I'm that just... flow. <laughs> No, but the, I, I just, I have, I have to just share this. <laughs> so one of the things that happened to me when I, when I first woke up to this fact that we're always already a part of it is that I would, I was traveling a lot at that point and I would find myself on airplanes and in airports, like in the most amazing conversations with complete strangers within like 45 seconds. I mean, it was like there was no wall and it just happened. I wasn't trying. I wasn't efforting. Usually I'm trying not to. I'm trying to just keep keep my space. You know, I want to be left alone. But I mean, it was totally out of character for me. And it just really highlighted to me how those ideas of who we are and how we are and are, are, are made of something that isn't matter, you know, that they can shift and mold and 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 move in and out that easily. It it just it was amazing to me to see that. And I don't always feel that open. I mean, I don't walk around with this heart chakra that's 80 miles wide all the time. But but just like experiencing that I could experience myself in that way was was just really amazing to me. Mm. And I and I just have this different sense when I'm out walking in the world that that I am a part of the world and the world is a part of me. I'm, I'm, you know, that it's that beautiful definition of the word namaste. Mm. When I'm in that place in me and you're in that place in you, there's only one of us. Mm. What a gift yeah. you know, to, to have a whiff of that. And then every, every now and then you get an idea in your head that you're lonely. Yeah. And that's okay. It's not a problem. Cool. Very cool. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast episode, please do share it. We would really appreciate that. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or review wherever you may be listening to this. We would love to hear from you. You can listen to more episodes and get extra notes at briangrebel.com slash then again. You should also check out Mer's website and learn more about her at mermonson.com. That is it for this episode. Until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.